if you have a Bible, if I could encourage you to turn in it or turn it on, whichever the case applies to you, to Galatians chapter 6. Actually, really the end of chapter 5, beginning of chapter 6. And if you're using one of the, the Bibles either in the chair in front of you or on the pew rack, you can turn to page 975 and you'll be in the right spot this morning. Well, since Aaron said the football games don't start to 240, I guess I can start by saying this. Uh, I have often joked that I like longer sermons, and I think Aaron implicitly was telling me today I could do a longer sermon. So hang on. Hope you brought your lunch. Here we go. Uh, I do joke about longer sermons, but very clearly, it's not because I want you to stay here till the football games start. Okay, that, that's not why I do that. The reason I do that is because more than once, it feels like it's time for the message to be done, and yet it feels like the message leaves us hanging. Okay, let me give you an example. Last week, the message ended with us looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, which reads this way. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And having looked at that verse, I went on to say words basically like this, that we need to make keeping in step with the Spirit, we need to make heading in the direction the Holy Spirit goes, we need to make that a habit of our lives. We, that needs to describe us. Our lives need to be about following the Spirit of God, doing what He says to do. And then we end it. And for me, that's where the tension comes in because I think those words are good, those words are true. Based on the authority of Scripture, not my authority, on the authority of God's Word, those words are true, but, but we didn't really describe what does that look like. We just said, go do it. And it sounds really good, and I can be a pastor and say, well, I told you what to do. Go do it. And you can be, but I have no idea what that looks like. And that's where, to me, the tension comes in. It's like we needed more. We, we, don't just tell me what to do. Give me help. What does it look like? Well, what does it look like to keep in step with the Spirit of God? As Paul's really wrapping up this section of Galatians, it's just really he's wrapping up sort of the big teaching part of what he's trying to do. I think Paul said, hey, I like longer sermons too. I get it in Iowa and Siouxland in 2018, you probably need to break it up into two. So in essence, he says, here's the second part. Here's what it looks like. Because in this last section, what I think he wants to do is he wants to offer us six pictures, okay? Six pictures of what does it look like to follow the Holy Spirit. I mean, if we say that we are to keep in step with the Spirit of God, we're to follow His direction, where does He want to lead? And in essence, I think in these six pictures, Paul's telling us here are six things the Holy Spirit wants to move us towards in our lives so that we become like the Lord Jesus and so that we engage in the mission of Jesus. Okay, so if you're wondering, what is it going to look like to keep in step with the Spirit? He's going to say, here's six things. Here's six pictures. Here's where God's going to move in our lives. Okay, so picture number one, what does it look like for you and I to keep in step with the Spirit? Well, part of what it means where He's going to go in our lives is He wants us to develop an accurate picture of ourselves. Okay, one of the first things He's going to do, okay, where the Holy Spirit wants to do, He wants to move in our lives so that we have a much clearer picture of ourselves. Okay, look at verse 26. Okay, chapter and verse breaks are 
as the old saying is, God inspired the Bible, the devil inspired the chapter and verse breaks, because they're not always where they should be kind of a thing, okay? But verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So, right after Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit, the very first thing he says is, don't be conceited. The Greek word that gives us the word conceited literally means vain or empty glory. So to become conceited means that we, we can have this incredibly inaccurate view of ourselves. Maybe it's a, an incredibly elevated view or some way it's very distorted. We don't really have a clear view of ourselves. We don't really know who we are. You say, why did Paul start there? Why did he kind of go from, hey, keep in step with the Spirit to don't be conceited? Why is that the first thing? Well, we don't really know. We don't actually know really the backdrop to most of these six pictures. We don't know what was kind of going on in the background that Paul kind of pushed there. But maybe this one we can at least kind of think through something that, hey, we know ourselves well enough to know that you and I can at times not always have the clearest picture, that you and I can get skewed by some things and not see things the way we should. Perhaps Paul was concerned that that since he had been correcting the people with God's truth, that they had distorted, and so he's trying to tell them, here's the truth, that one of two things could have happened to the people, that that they realize now they possess the truth, and, and for some of the people, that might lead them to go, hey, I've got the truth. I'm really impressive. You don't have the truth. na 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 boo boo I'm impressive, you're not. That can happen. Or some of us, maybe on the other end of the spectrum, might be, wow, everything Paul told us in this letter was stuff he had told us a long time ago, and I, I ignored it. Man, I'm a screw-up. Are either of those true? Are either of those the full picture? I don't think they are, but we can get distorted. You see, God doesn't want us to have this attitude of, na 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 boo boo I'm right, you're wrong. Nor does God want to have us the attitude of, I'm a worm of no value, of no anything. He doesn't want us to have that distorted view of ourselves. And you say, well, why doesn't God want us to have those attitudes? Because we feel those things. Okay, you're going to be the arrogant group and you're going to be the woe is me group. Okay, so you're the jerks and... You're the suck-ups or something. I don't know. I mean, it's not good. Okay, but even division in the room. Some of you may want to switch sides right now. That's okay. But you say, why doesn't God want us to be one or the other? Well, look at what verse 26 goes on to say. It says, don't be conceited. Let's not become conceited. Why? Because we're going to be provoking one another. If you're arrogant, what's one of the temptations you're going to have to deal with? Well, if you're arrogant, you're going to want to push people. You're going to want to challenge people so that everybody knows you're right, that you've got the truth, and they don't. You're going to want everyone to know that. On the other side, if you feel pretty terrible about yourself, what are you going to do? You're going to envy everyone that walks with confidence. What do provoking and envying produce? I don't know what they produce, but I know what they don't produce. 
They don't build relationships. They don't build up people. They hurt people. They crush people. They do damage to people. And I think what the Holy Spirit's doing in verse 26 is saying, don't go there. And implicitly then he's saying, go a very different direction. I want to move in your life so that you don't get a big head or a squashed head. But instead, what you really do is you develop through the Spirit of God, moving in your life, this accurate picture of who you are. Okay? He is going to move in that direction in our lives. Keeping in step with Him means that's a target where we're headed. Picture number two. Where else is the Holy Spirit going to head us? Well, I think the Holy Spirit wants to head us in this direction to support other followers of Christ. He wants to move in our lives so we support other followers of Christ. Let me restate something that I hope Galatians has made clear. I hope we've communicated it since this series through September, through November, and now picking it up in January, is that God's desire for you, God's desire for His people, is that they'd be free. Okay, he wants us to be free. And, and the last two weeks, uh, we, we've kind of looked at some things that could challenge that freedom, things that could make it hard for us to live in the freedom we get in Christ. And if there is a challenge, part of what that kind of implicitly tells us is sometimes if there's a challenge, you and I aren't going to get it right. Okay, that means we're going to stumble. That means we're going to fail. The Bible kind of understands that. God understands we're going to have that happen. And so what Paul is kind of led, is inspired by the Holy Spirit is to say, okay, when that happens, when somebody around you stumbles or falls, what do you do? Okay, verse 1, chapter 6, that's where he wants to go. So Paul inspired to write these words. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Okay, I want to quickly just break that verse down, kind of chunk by chunk. I think it's fairly straightforward, but I want to make sure it's really straightforward for all of us. Okay? So first, the idea, what does it mean to be caught? Well, you could maybe think of the word caught. If you're looking for an analogy, this might be like somebody drowning. Okay, unexpectedly, they're walking along, and, and maybe this time, I'll, it's not quite cold enough, but it was cold earlier this week, so when it's really, really cold, and you think that the ice is solid, and you're walking along the ice, and everything is good, and then down you go. Okay, whoa, unexpected, it's kind of scary, you're drowning, you're flailing in the water. Okay, that's kind of the idea of caught. There's an unexpectedness, and the person who's fallen realizes this isn't good. Okay, I'm not enjoying where I am. Okay, that's the idea of being caught. And it says when that happens, okay, when that takes place, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is He's going to lead people who are in step with Him. So when it says, you who are spiritual, what does that mean? What it means is somebody who's walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this isn't, there's a special class of people in the church that do this work. No, if we're walking in step with the Spirit, He's saying, you're spiritual. That's a part of what you may need to do. He says, I'm going to take these spiritual people and I'm going to use them. The Holy Spirit wants to move in their lives to restore a drowning friend. Okay, He's flailing in the water. She's flailing in the water. You're going to be a part of the rescue mission to get them out. 
Now, when the word restore is used, if there's sort of a word picture that helps us understand what does it mean to restore somebody, this same word was used in the Gospels. When Jesus was talking to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee and they literally were fixing their fishing nets, okay, they had these nets and there were big holes in them, to restore it meant to put that, like fix the net. Or in a little older, in classical Greek, some of you have, how many of you have broken a bone? Really, it's a lot of fun. This is that, this is the word. It's resetting that bone. It's taking something, or in this case, someone, and returning them back to functional. Saying you're to do all of that, but you're to do it in a certain way. And he says, with a spirit of gentleness. Now, a spirit of gentleness most likely is just thinking back a couple of verses to the fruit of the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit, one attribute of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Okay? That means strength under control in a balanced way. Okay? If you're going to be a part of restoring people, it's going to require spiritual strength, spiritual resources. It involves walking in step with the Spirit. And when we do that, we don't only do that, but we also need to do it in a way that we're watching ourselves, that we're careful about ourselves. Because the truth is, we, as he says, we could be tempted too. We could be caught in a transgression too. Any one of us could be the anyone in that sense. You say, well, why does the Holy Spirit want to lead us in that direction? Why does he want to go there? Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? Part of being a follower of the Lord Jesus, of being a person who's turned from sin to God and trusts the Lord Jesus as your Savior means that the Holy Spirit is going to move in our lives, wants to move in our lives. Verse 2 is kind of a principal statement, wants to move in our lives so that we're concerned about other people. And not just concerned about, you know, are they going to steal my parking spot? Okay? Concerned about other people in the sense that we're willing to get involved in their lives to help with those big loads, to help carry those things that are really huge in life. You say, why? Why does God want us to move there? Well, I want you to notice, how does verse 2 end? It says, you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what's the law of Christ? I mean, in Galatians, Paul's talked a number of times about the law or even the law of Moses and that stuff that the false teachers say you've got to do to be saved. And Paul has said repeatedly, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. So you kind of get the feeling that Paul doesn't like the word law. He sees it as a negative thing, and all of a sudden he says, now you're to fulfill the law of Christ. What is he talking about? There is some debate among the commentators, in part because this is about the only time that expression, the law of Christ, is used. There's some debate, but I think a good way of us understanding what is the law of Christ is that as followers of the Lord Jesus, okay, you've trusted Christ, you've turned from sin to God, and you're trusting the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you're a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, that implies that you should be living like the Lord Jesus. You could say it this way, you and I should be loving like the Lord Jesus. So the law of Christ, really, you could think of it this way, would be about us following the things Jesus did. He, in that sense, he's sort of an example. The, the law of Christ means I look at the life of Jesus 
And that life of Jesus, how he operated in relationships, how he interacted with people, that becomes like a guiding light, a guiding principle, a rule I follow. You could say, that's a law I need to get behind. I need to live that way. I think that's what Paul's trying to tell us. See, part of our purpose right now, okay, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus, part of your life purpose right now is to embrace the mission of Jesus. Okay, if you've trusted Christ, it's not just, well, I trusted Jesus and nothing else in my life changes. No, if you've trusted Jesus, the mission of your life is now, is basically your life needs to be the mission of Jesus. And the part of the mission that Jesus, or that Paul's focusing in here now, where the Holy Spirit wants to take us, is that part of the mission where we help restore people from the brokenness that sin brings to their lives. He's going to move us there. See, part of where the Holy Spirit is going to seek to move every single follower of Christ, where He wants us to go, is He wants us to be agents of God's restorative grace in people's lives. I truly wish this was not true. But it is true. Sin happens. And sin does enormous damage. And here in Galatians 6, Paul is telling us, hey, the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. He wants to move us to help people. To help them with their heartache, to help them with the brokenness, to help them with the damage when they fall into sin. Please, let me draw it out. Let me explanation exclamation point god wants those who are in step with the holy spirit to restore others see you and i are not to ignore people that are struggling nor are we to gossip about them what we are to do is we are to help them and please understand in us helping them we always need to understand the them we're helping could very easily be the us. Today you might be the us, you might be the one helping, but tomorrow or the next day you might be the one who desperately needs the help. I don't stand here honestly as one who's above needing help. I stand here as one who needs help. Now there's a couple of implications or applications I just I really want to hit on to make this point clear sort of two major ones okay if the Holy Spirit's moving in this direction if he's moving us to where we're to be restoring others that should be a part of our lives then I think an application of this is we've got to pay attention to other people Some people I've been reading from would would probably use the phrase, what this means is you and I need to develop a healthy sense of sanctified curiosity. Sanctified is a fancy theological word, kind of ties in with holy. Okay, in essence, I'm concerned, I'm curious about people for the condition of their soul. I'm not curious about odd, weird, stupid stuff. I'm curious because what's going on in their souls? Part of that for us to actually do that is we need to be thinking about people and not just ourselves, not just what's going on in our lives. Part of what it means is you and I need to figure out how do we make time in our lives? How do we put other stuff aside so I actually have time to connect with people? 
so I can interact with them and engage in life with them? Big question. And I'm kind of thinking that the blizzard is really, if it really is coming, and since I don't see Doug Van Hollen sitting next to Jerry, that makes me think, Mike, I think I'm right and you're wrong. Mike's like, oh, it's not going to happen. And I'm like, the last time you said that, we had over a foot of snow. I'm just saying, when Doug's not here, that just says to me, we've got it coming. So you're going to have probably some extra time on your hands tomorrow. So either you can you should call Mike and have him come and clean your sidewalk because he's like got lots of time, I guess. Or what you could do is really ponder this question or these questions. Are you connected with other followers of Jesus who could be a part, who you could be a part of restoring or could be a part of helping to restore you? None of us is above needing it at times. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to lead us to have those kinds of connections because part of His leading is to help other people receive God's restorative grace. If you're not sure if you have those kinds of relationships, we would love in that sense as a church to help get you connected to a small group to start moving in the direction of those kinds of relationships. Okay, we don't just offer a program because we're trying to fill your social calendar. We try to do these kinds of things because your soul and my soul desperately needs it. And here's where the Spirit of God is moving. Second kind of implication here as I think we need to be honest about our lives with at least a few people okay I, I get it some of us in this room are very private people please know this it can be spiritually dangerous to keep your life private I believe though this idea is not easy for me personally I believe the Holy Spirit wants to lead us to be honest and open with a few people. Every single one of us needs that. Because notice, can you just put back up verse 1 for me for a second, Mark? Sorry, I'm ad-libbing here. Do you notice it says anyone? Anyone. It could be you this week. It could be me this week. Picture number three. Do not get a big head. Where is the Holy Spirit going to move? He's going to move in the direction of us not getting a big head. Now, there's an underlying theme that I think runs through the verses we're looking at this morning. There's more than one, but one underlying theme is what's going on inside us, okay, inside our hearts and souls, minds, is really, really important. I think verse 1 kind of points at that when you say, hey, we need gentleness in this and we need to keep watch of ourselves. I think verse 26 says when it kind of points us in the direction of don't be conceited, get an accurate view of yourself. But with that theme in mind, we need to be careful what's going on inside us. Verse 1 said, hey, there's temptations we can face. Here's a temptation I think we can face. 
If we've been sort of one who's in step with the Spirit, we've been spiritually strong, and we start to think of ourselves, hey, I'm spiritually strong because, you know, I, I kind of help this person with their sin. I was on the restorer side of the equation. When we get there, when that's true in our lives, it's very tempting and very easy to think, look at how well I'm doing. I look pretty good. And you not realize we are completely out to lunch. Look at verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Okay? Hitting a similar theme to what verse 26 did at the end of chapter 5 is we don't always have a good picture of ourselves. This is a really silly example, but when I do this with my hand on the top of my head, I feel a tiny bit of stubble, and so in my memory then there must be hair. Okay, now you, that's silly, right? I don't, but I think I do. I don't think I'm the only person that gets things distorted. Look at verses 4 and 5. How can you and I get a little better sense? How can we be in touch with who we really are? Verses 4 and 5. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. To keep us from getting big heads, to keep us from being distorted, the Holy Spirit says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop playing that comparison game. I don't want you to say, hey, look, I'm doing better than that dude over there is. Like, he can't find his, the verse in the Bible. I can find the verse in the Bible. Like, I don't need to be told what page Galatians on. We don't play the comparison game. What he's saying, what we need to do in verses 4 and 5, is we need to kind of stop and ask the question of ourselves. And again, blizzard coming, good time to ask the question. You've got time. How am I doing at the things God is asking me to do. Okay, part of what I think verse 5, the point of verse 5, is that each of us has been given a backpack. A load. Not a huge load, but a little bit of a load. How are you doing carrying that load? God has called us to do that. How are you doing with that? See, in the context of verses 4 and 5, God is saying, your concern shouldn't be, do I look better than whomever? God's concern, which should be our concern, is that, are, again, are we doing what God's called us to do? See, instead of getting a big head where the Holy Spirit wants to move in our lives, where He's wanting to have us go in the direction of, is He wants us to be able, he wants to move us to the place where we are able to stand confidently in the presence of God on judgment day. That's really the background here. He's thinking judgment day. Can I stand in the presence of God on judgment day with confidence knowing God is going to say, well done. That's where God wants to move you. That's where the Spirit of God wants to go in our lives. The Holy Spirit says, hey, don't live life in comparison to somebody else. Live life seeking to stand confidently before God. Because all of us are going to. 
picture number four. Support your teachers. Let me quickly say we are entering an awkward moment because I am supposed to tell you at this point that you are to pay me. I am not set up today to take credit cards on the way out, but checks and cash would be fine. Verse 6, let the one who is taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Again, we have no idea what the background is here. We don't know why Paul wrote this. Uh, Maybe, and this is a guess, not from me, but other commentators saying maybe Paul and the Holy Spirit were concerned that people would see the words in verse 5, own load, and they would kind of see it say, hey, you know what, those that teach the Bible, those pastor types, you know, they should kind of carry their own load, and part of their own load means they should go out and get a real job and earn their living that way and not get paid for being a pastor. Real quick personal story, I have served a few churches as pastor, and I have had people in a church I served as pastor tell me that pastors shouldn't be paid. You felt awkward you know, when I said you had to pay me. I felt really awkward because I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well. I'm, how do I respond at this point? Well, here's how Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would respond. You need to give. I realize we're in an awkward scenario, so let me just draw out something that I think is important. Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is going to move in our lives to get us to give. Now, I am not trying to meddle at this point in your financial life, and I am not standing up here in some passive-aggressive way to say you need to pay me more. What I am saying is there is a biblical truth and principles that runs throughout Scripture that has impacted church history, that one of the ways we become more like the Lord Jesus is through giving financially. One of the ways we are a part of furthering the mission of God, furthering the mission of the Lord Jesus, is by giving. And the Spirit of God is going to want to move in our lives in that direction. So, Glenn, let me ask you some questions, not just you, but me too. Are you, are we, am I submitting to the Holy Spirit in my giving? Are you asking Him, are you seeking the wisdom and direction of the Spirit of God for your giving? Are you doing that? That's a part of where He wants to lead us. Keeping in step with the Spirit means it's going to touch your checkbook. Some of you still have one of those. It's going to get your debit card. It's going to get your credit card. It's going to touch those things. Okay, even that cryptocurrency stuff, which I totally do not understand But that's not beyond where God wants to lead in your life. Picture five. Invest in spiritual stuff. Okay, let me say it again. God wants us to live in freedom. And and in very practical terms, to experience the gospel freedom, okay, to experience gospel freedom comes. Gospel freedom really is a product produced from how you invest your life, what you do with your life. Verses 7 and 8 say, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for 
Whoever, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. The one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, or will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay, really simple. However you invest your life is going to have a huge impact on the output or the outcome of your life. So Paul says, if you invest in stuff of the flesh, what you're going to reap is corruption. If you, if you sow to things in the same way, sow to things of the Spirit, what you're going to get out of that, what you're going to produce, what you're going to reap are eternal life kinds of things. And we know from chapter 5, verses 19 to 23, where we should invest, where we're, where, what direction we should go. So a very practical question is then to ask all of us, how are you sowing to the Spirit? How are you investing yourself in things that align with the Holy Spirit? Okay, now I'm not saying that's the only thing you give of your life to, but maybe to make it incredibly sort of, this may sound like meddling, maybe jerky. How much are you investing in spiritual things compared to how much are you investing in your hobbies? Some of you are gamers. I don't know that I even understand exactly what that means, I'll be honest. But I've had people tell me how much time they spend playing games. And I never hear much about how they spend time invested in spiritual things. Remember, what you invest in is going to impact what output you want. You're going to get. How are you investing? He's going to lead us to invest in the things of the Spirit. Picture six. Look to do good. Where else is the Spirit of God going to take us? Final picture, in one sense, takes us back again to the mission of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to want to lead us to do good. Verses 9 and 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Okay, verse 9, playing off of that idea of how you invest, is saying, look, sometimes you and I are investing in doing good, and the the results aren't always immediate. But it still says, do them, because it is going to come. We are to do good. We are called by God to be engaged in it. Part of the mission of Jesus, part of what He's asking us to do, is to go and to be a blessing to other people. Similar to the idea of supporting followers of Jesus, this means we've got to pay attention to what's going on around us and not just be looking at our own stuff. See, the life of freedom that you and I deeply desire, that God gives us, doesn't come because you get to do everything you want to do. It ultimately comes through us serving and being a blessing to other people. That's His gift. Now before this sermon gets too long, let me wrap it up. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit is the way God enables us to experience and live out gospel freedom. And we need to know the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in ways that conform us to be like Jesus and in ways that move us to to live out the mission of Jesus. 
So to me, that raises a really important question that's got some sub-questions for everybody in the room. See, the big question, I think, becomes, if that's what the Holy Spirit's doing is, then I need to ask you the question, are you keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? That's where He's taking us. Are you doing that? Now, real quickly, if you're not sure what does it mean to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, then for you, that's the first sort of step of applying any of this is grabbing somebody and say, can you tell me what that means? We need to do that. Maybe another question under that, are you keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, would be to ask, hey, in your life, are you building triggers or evaluation points so that you can kind of check in and see, am I following the Holy Spirit? I mean, do you have some way, some understanding of figuring out, hey, am I submitting to the direction of the Holy Spirit? I mean, maybe it's as simple as looking at those six pictures and saying, how does my life compare or contrast to that? How am I doing there? Help me get some sense of, am I doing this? You know, our series in Galatians is just about done. We have, we have one more week. But here's the thing. Your need and my need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit doesn't end next Sunday. It just ends keeps going. So in a sense, this message needs to be a whole lot longer than it is because we all need to grow in the habit of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. So let me close by maybe asking one more question. How can we help each other? How can we as a church help you Keep in step with the Spirit. That's not meant to be rhetorical. That's meant to be something for you to ponder and then for us to communicate with one another. Because God wants you to live in freedom and the only way you will live in freedom is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, you know what the rest of today holds. You know if we're going to have a sunny day or we're going to have a foot and a half of snow or whatever it is. Not only do you know those things, but Lord, more significantly maybe is you're concerned about us. You're not just a big computer data geek in the sky. You are the God who loves and cares for us and you long for us to have freedom, freedom that only comes through being reconciled to you through your Son, and then freedom that's experienced by us keeping in step with your Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you've given us pictures of what that looks like, gives us a sense of where are you going to want to work in our lives, and I pray as we go today, we truly would be looking to you to say, where do I need to keep in step, Lord? Where this week do I need to work with you in that way? Lord, as we go, may we go with your grace. May we go with your mercy. May we realize you desire this freedom for us. And I pray we would long for it.
In the very precious name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.